Well, stand with me, if you would, as we read from our text in Romans chapter number 13. Romans 13, beginning in verse number 1. Romans 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore you must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause, or for for this cause, pay ye tribute also. For they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. Let's pray. Hey, Cohen. <laughs> Would you pray for us? Amen. You may be seated. So last week we ended with a thought and kind of pulling from something that we were told previous about living peaceably with all men as much as it is possible with us. Um, That is really our relationship to the government, isn't it? To the state, we should say. Uh, We live peaceably with uh, the state as much as it is possible for us. Um, And we know where that possibility is lies in that it would be impossible for us to remain at peace, you know, with the government. We're not insurrectionists by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, we, what we're saying is that if the government ever commanded something of us that we could not do according to God's word, then we've got a problem. So render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and render unto God the things that are God's. Uh, the state doesn't possess an absolute authority. It does possess an authority that God's given to the state, but it doesn't I'm trying to slow down, Brother Wiseman. I can hear myself speeding up. And I'm looking at him. He's like, you know, he didn't say anything. But I'm like, okay, you've got to slow down. You're losing me here. Um, so rendering unto Caesar what is Caesar's and, and what things are God's. You know, render those to God. So if I'm going to render to God what's due unto him and Caesar says, you cannot do this. And God says, yes, you must do that. I've got to render to God the things that are God's above rendering to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. I mean, some people take these things so far, they have trouble in Romans 13 with this sort of thoughts, but some people take these things, um, you know, so far as far as our freedom, our liberty in Christ, you know, they will say we're the Lord's, we belong to his kingdom, we're not in bondage to any man, we live in another realm, we are free, it is with God that we have to do, Um, we don't have to answer to man, but when we read what we read here, how can that be? God's telling us that he has established authority. You know, Cheryl just retired from a place like this that we're talking about. Um, there's authority that's, that's been given unto the state to be able to incarcerate people uh, because they're bad people. Um, some of those people have done some bad things and they, they'll, 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 they'll pay you know, their sentence that's due under the state, and then they'll be, you know, released. Um, but they, some of them even, I've heard them say that they get so used to the life in prison, they can't function out here, and so they'll do something to get put back in. Uh, they want to be in there, so to speak. Um, that's kind of twisted thinking, you know, in our minds, but, but um, anyway, there's, there's, you know, there's an example, you know, of an authority uh, that, that the state, you know, has, and it doesn't bear the sword, you know, in vain. But we, we have been called here 
to obedience to the state. We've been told that disobedience to the state is really disobedience to God. Um, that is really paramount to disobeying God. We're called to be subject. We're to be good subjects. You know, we ought to be the best citizens uh, as far as that's, you know, concerned. But we do live in two kingdoms, don't we? We live among the kingdom of men, but we are of the kingdom of God. This world is not our home. Uh, we, we, we have a, a city uh, with, with, with foundations whose builder and maker is, is, is God. Um, you know, so, you know, we, this is not where we're going to be, you know, forever. But we are here now. And being here now, there's, God's calling us, you know, to be subject into government because without government, what would there be? Hmm? Chaos? Give me another word for that that starts with an A. Anarchy. There would be anarchy. So you think about, about forms of government, and you've got democracy, you've got monarchies, you've got oligarchies, and without those, those things, there would be anarchy. Um, so we, we need to realize that this, this thing, as far as government's concerned, as far as state's concerned, do they always do the right thing? No. Are we always pleased with the decisions they make? No. Um, but God has established this. This isn't something that man has come up with. Man may think that he's come up with this, but do you think there was government in heaven before there was government upon the earth? Yeah, there was. Uh, and so this isn't man's design. This isn't man's device. All power belongs to God. This is of God. God is, God's done this. God's made this to be this way, but we do live with a foot, so to speak, in, in two different kingdoms. Um, you know, so how do we relate to the world here? Um, you know, we, we're, not, we're told we're not of the world. We're told that if we belong to the world, the world would love its own, but because we're not of the world, the world's going to hate us. We're told we're not to love the world. We're not to love the things of the world. So if we were going to love the things of the world, what would that, you know, look like? That would look like, you know, food, clothing, all those sorts of things that, that the world's just clamoring for, scampering, you know, after climbing all over each other, up the ladder to get, you know, riches and different things. What are we told to do? We live in this world, but we're told to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And God says, those things that you're going to need while you're here, I'll provide those things. You seek first the kingdom of God. You seek me and those things shall be added unto you. We are still physically in this world. Um, you know, we're in the world, but not of the world. You've probably heard people say that before. You know, well, we need to qualify, you know, that statement and the things that we're talking about here because, you know, that, that could just be taken upon its face value and something else could be construed from it. We are in the world, and we're not of the world, that's true. But we are still in this world. We have to live in this world. We have to function in this world. And we have to abide by that, that which God's established as far as the state's concerned. Um, you know, otherwise, we would, if we were in the world and not of the world, we might become hermits, right? We just go off and have our own commune compound, you know, sort of thing, and forget the world. Uh, but that's not... That's not what we've been called into, right? I mean, what can we say about that? We're, we're, we're supposed to be the light of the world. How can I be the light of the world if I'm off in a dark cave somewhere as a hermit, you know, living under a rock? Um, I'm, we're the salt of the earth. You know, we're called to be these things. So we, we are not of the world, but we are in the world. And while we're in the world, we're called to be certain things that the Scripture calls us to be. So, I mean, there are a lot of people in this world who's, whose entire existence is all about the things of this world. They need to be able to see there's something beyond this. There's something better, you know, than this. Um, you know, the Lord said unto um, Pilate in John chapter 18, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, what would my servants do? My servants would fight, Right? that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. And Pilate therefore said unto him again, Art thou a king then? And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end I was born, 
And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. And what did Pilate answer next? Anybody remember? The Lord's just been talking about truth. And Pilate asked, or he didn't really ask a question. If he was asking what, what it was, he says, he says, what is truth? I could see somebody saying it. Um, you know, what is truth? He wasn't really inquiring. You know, it was, it was really, you know, kind of just a tongue-in-cheek sort of thing. What's truth? You know, as there's, there's different truths. There's this truth. There's that truth. You know, what is truth? Um, so, but the point there that the Lord says he came into the world that he may bear witness to the truth. We're in the world. And he said, while I was in the world, he said, I was the light of the world. Now, you're going to be the light. And it's not our own light. It's a borrowed light. We know it's like the moon. We're borrowing our light, you know, from the sun, which is him, you know, the son of God. Um, so here we are, the light of the world. We're in the world. We're not of the world. And that's, that's evident we aren't of the world because we are light and not darkness. The world's in darkness. We are of the light. And the darkness needs to be able to see the light. The darkness is not really going to be able to comprehend the light unless they're given light. And God gives that light. Um, you know, so you know, they need to be able to see. We need to be able to be among them. They need to be able to see that there is, there is light. There is good. Um, you know, there, is, there is holiness and righteousness. There's judgment you know, to come. Um, you know, the state and the church both have, have uh, God-ordained roles right? You know, the state from the standpoint of keeping order, um, we, we have the gospel. We're to proclaim. I mean, Ann and I rode together back from um, Houston um, this, this past week, and, and we were talking about some of these things, and we're talking about fear, and we're talking about the fear of, of man, and we were talking about that they don't know anything yet. Um, you know, because I think what brought it up uh, we've been in the car before. Maybe y'all have been in the car before, you know, where you've gone like under an overpass and you've got these people who have cars like yours, but they have really loud exhaust systems on them, you know, and they'll just they get under a place like that and they want to be able to hear it, you know, and it just kind of scares you because you're like, what was that? Um, but then I've seen guys, you know, with the train horns under the hood too, and they'll blow those right underneath, you know, the, especially at night, they like that because uh, here's a van full of a family in a van, and we're all like, ah, you know, what was that? You know, is it the second coming? You know, it's not. And that's what Ann and I were talking about. You know, there's going to be a last, you know, those things startle, you know, air raids. Can you, you imagine being, you know, in World War II, being in, in London, you know, when the air raids were, were happening and, and, uh, you know, you'd hear that, that siren go off and everybody had to douse all the, the lights if they were, you know, electric lights turn off, you know, if they were candles, you know, put them out. Um, didn't want the enemy to be able to see the target. Uh, but what fear, you know, there might have been, you know, in, in people's minds and their hearts as they, as they heard those sirens, you know, going off and they knew the carpet bombing that was about to take place. Now that's, that's something, you know, we've heard, you know, trains, we talked about this before, you know, the, the horn goes off and you, it startles you. I mean, can you imagine the difference between that and the last trump that sounds? Because this is the point that Anna and I were talking about. There's, there's one thing to hear that sound and, and, and fear come upon you because of some, you know, the thing that man's manufactured, whether it's a bomb that's coming from the sky or whatever, but that is going to have the fear of God attached to it. And we were talking about, you know, how that men are going to cry for the rocks to fall upon them, to hide them from the face, you know, of him. So, you know, we, we, were, we were taking that further and talking about the fact that we are light and that we are the ambassadors of Christ and that we, you know, knowing, therefore, putting these things together now, you know, the, the, the terror of that last trump, knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, be ye reconciled unto God. Be reconciled unto God. The day is coming when there will be no other opportunity. It'd be like the ark and God shut the door and there wasn't anybody getting on the ark after that. Uh, and it's going to be that way then. There's not going to be any salvation, you know, after that. Uh, that's going to be, you know, the end uh, when he comes to take, you know, us to be with him forever in heaven and he comes to judge, you know, the, the world. So, so that will be that will be um, a fearful day 
for those outside of Christ. Uh, it will be a it will be a wonderful day, you know, for us. In a moment, a twinkling of an eye, right? We'll all be changed. We may not, we may not all be dead. But we'll all be changed. Uh, we may not be rising from the grave. We may be alive and remain when the Lord returns, and we'll be changed in a moment. Um, to have a glorified body where we can stand in the presence of, of God and, and, and enjoy Him, you know, forever. Um, there are things that you enjoy, aren't there? Um, and some of these things are temporary. Um, you know, I, I know Tara in, enjoys the privilege of being able to drive again, you know, and she has a car out there and she enjoys that car. And those are temporal things. Those things won't last forever. But we know what it is to enjoy something. But think about being able to enjoy God in a fullness that we've never known. Being able to enjoy God forever, you know, that way. Uh, that's, that's an incredible thing, isn't it, to think about. Uh, there's things that I know. I know joy to a degree. I know what it is to enjoy something, you know, in part. But then it'll be whole. And it'll never be removed. It won't be temporal. It'll be eternal. It'll be everlasting. Um, but we, we have an ordained role to play in this world. We are the light. We are the salt. We are the ambassadors. We are all the things the scripture tells us that, you know, it uses to tell us what we are, you know, in this world. Um, you know, we are those messengers saying, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Um, so there's, there's our part. Uh, the state has their part to, in, in a well-ordered, you know, society. And when we're both, when the church and the state are both doing their part, the way they ought to be doing it, 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 it is a more well-ordered, you know, society. Where we're seeing seems becoming unraveled a little bit in different, uh, you know, places. But God's still in control, and we can rest at night knowing that. I mean, even with the things that we see wrong, um, we see wrong things wrong in our democracy at this point in our lives. But what, you know, you don't have to live under a democracy. You could have lived, you know, under, you know, another type of rule, under an, a monarchy or an oligarchy or something, you know, else. Um, a dictatorship, you know, how about that? To live under a dictatorship and you still, you know, you would be in a position where these things still hold true. And you still have the role that you are to play, whereas the state in those places is saying, if you do that, we're going to put you in prison. You cannot preach in this man's name. You know, we regard him as a threat against our form of government, perhaps. Um, and so if you're going to persist in those things, then we're going to shut you up one way or the other. But we still have our role, you know, to play in, in that sort of an arena. Uh, but we could be, you know, in, in that sort of place. We could be, you know, Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and be, you know, in the places they found them, their, themselves in. Or how about Joseph and where he found, you know, himself, you know. And, and I, I to tell you, when I think about those things, there, there is a passage in Genesis 50, you know, that, that stands out to me in Joseph's experience. And you remember his brothers were afraid of what he might do to them because now he's in a high, he's a higher power, you know, using these words in our text. He's in a place of authority. He was second only to who? Pharaoh. Pharaoh alone had more authority than he did. His brothers were afraid of what he might do, you know, unto them. Um, but he's, he says, look, I see the wisdom of what God's done here. You meant it for evil right? But what? God meant it for good. And so you think about where we are right now, and you think about where we may be in the future, and you think about where other brothers and sisters in Christ are at in other places in the world, they mean it for evil. But God meant it for good. I mean, Paul being in prison the time that he was in prison, they meant it for evil. God meant it for good. You know, so we can, we can rest in that. Um, God still, you know, overall, he sets up kings, he takes down kings. Um, you know, so we don't have to be concerned about, we shouldn't fear, you know, man. We've, we've, we don't fear that, you know, we, 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 we've, in a sense, I know we fear the Lord. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a real sense in which we do. Um, you know, I, I don't fear Teresa, but I do fear there being something to come between, you know, she and I. There's a reverence, you know, between us and God uh, that we fear something coming between our soul and our Savior. 
Um, you know, we, we don't fear men in that we respect what they say when they say you can't preach anymore in this name. No, we fear God and we have reverence and respect towards him and we're going to continue to preach, you know, in his name. So that's the sense in which I'm using that. Um, so admittedly, there's failures in both arenas, you know, as far as the church and the state, but we must strive to be good citizens of both kingdoms. Um, and God, as we see here in the end of, of verse number one, the powers that be are ordained of God. Um, I told you we we're going to go back through and try to take some of these things, you know, a little bit more specifically than we have, you know, just generally, um, you know, beforehand. But he's ordained the powers that be, and there is a constant attack upon that power. Not just in our day. I mean, we're seeing defund the police, Right. We're seeing those things. Uh, I'm sure, I don't, I don't know, in, in your day you may have seen some, some small part of society, Brother Wiseman, that was against the government. I don't know. I mean, we saw it in Vietnam. You know, there were a lot of people that were against, you know, the government. Um, you know, there, there's, there's been components of it all throughout history. Uh, there's been people that have been against the power that is, that God has, what God has ordained has been against that, that power. Um, and again, we're seeing it, you know, in, 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 at, our t- at this time, you know, in our country. Again, as I said it before in a previous message, you know, get rid of the police. Who thinks that's a good idea? Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's, you know, a good idea for us to get rid of those who are tasked with the, the, the job of keeping, you know, the peace. Um, you know, we are to pray for our leaders. Why? That we might live quiet and peaceable lives. Um, you know, I'm glad that I can pick up the phone and call 911. I'm, I'm glad there are emergency services um, in situations, and we talked about that before. But, and we said last week that they are ministers, which really is servants, because we went back and looked at that passage about Nebuchadnezzar, and God said, he is my servant, you know, Nebuchadnezzar was. So they are ministers or servants of the, the kingdom of men. They're ministers and servants of the kingdom of God. Uh, you know, here we are. God's given us to be um, that, you know, within God's kingdom. Then there is that within, you know, the kingdom of men. Um, they're both intended for our good, both the state. You know, we obviously church is intended for our good. We understand that. We're talking about the state here, but the state's intended for our good. And when it plays its role the way that it ought to, then it does restrain evil to a degree. So have we not seen with some of this... The, the police presence that's been drawn back and, and has been has been taken away. You know, we saw a lot of the smash and grab stuff going on, didn't we, in places like even Beverly Hills, you know, California. I mean, there are people that were, were walking into jewelry stores in the broad daylight. And and how has how has all this helped, you know, with being able to cover your face? I mean, when I was a kid and I watched the the cowboys and the Indians and the bank robbers would come in, you know, and they'd have their, their faces all covered up. And so you couldn't really identify them other than, you know, drawing their eyes with a mask, you know, on them kind of thing. Um, but how has this helped that along, you know, where the, the, the chaos that has ensued with what's happened with, you know, COVID and people covering their faces and people can walk around and cover their faces anytime they want to now. You know, you, we, we joked for a while about, you know, the fact that, that people were walking into banks, with their faces covered. You know, used to, if that happened, that'd be a bank robber, right? You know, so now people are walking into banks, you know, with their faces covered. They're walking to these jewelry stores, hoods over their head, you know, masks on their faces, you know, walking in, smashing the display, you know, cabinets and taking, you know, what, whatever, you know, they can get away with. Um, and so <clears throat> you pull back that, that presence that God's given to keep, you know, law and order, and they get bolder don't they? Um, there's a lot of evil restrained just by the presence of police. And we've already mentioned this, but you can see it on the road. As soon as there's an officer, state patrol on the side of the road, everybody slows down, even if they're going to speed limit. You know, they realize, oh, wait a second. I don't, I don't even want to be thought of doing anything wrong here. I don't want to be pulled over. Um, so we understand the state's role specifically to restrain uh, evil and oppression and to promote justice and common good. Um, but the corruption of sin is all around us. I mean, Satan would love nothing more than there to be total anarchy and chaos. Um, 
You know, our, God is not the author of what? What does the Bible say? He's not the author of confusion. He's not the author of confusion. Well, if he's not the author of confusion, then who is? Who is? Satan. Satan's the author. He's, he's the father of lies, the scripture tells us. Um, so we live in a world that there's evil all around. And what a good thing, you know, God has given unto us, you know, in the arm, so to speak, of the state. Um, that we have this that's in the capacity, though it may not be converted. <laughs> you know, this could be, you know, men that aren't converted, but they're keeping, you know, the peace. They're tasked with this, this job of, uh, of keeping the peace. So we, we talked about last week how that we are to be subject, not only for wrath, but for conscience sake. Um, you know, the wrath side of things really has to do what we say with. It has to do with if you do what's wrong, even as, you know, believer, you can expect to be punished to the full extent of the law. There's not going to be any leniency on your part because you're a Christian. Uh, well, I, I'm, I belong to God. You, you can't do that to me. God's, God's greater than you. No. You're, you're a citizen of the society, and if you're going to commit wrong, then you're going to be, you know, you're going to be punished just like um, you know, a person that was unconverted. Uh, but then there's also this thing about you know, conscience sake. You know, we take it a step further then. You know, Paul talked about this. I've, I've, I've sought to live in all good conscience. You know, and if we're going to live in good conscience, then we're going to have to abide by the things. You know, if you want to, if if you want to say, "I'm not going to pay my taxes," you're going to have trouble living a good, good conscience as a Christian. Now, I refuse to pay my taxes. You know, you're going to have trouble living in, in good conscience. You know, as a Christian, with that, because God's established, you know, that authority there, um, and that's the means by which, in, in part, that that these other, you know, law enforcement agencies and things—that's where their salary, you know, comes from. You like nice roads. I like nice roads. I've gone to other states that don't have nice roads. Um, you know, it's, it's much nicer, you know, here than, I mean, as soon as you, as you go out of Texas into Louisiana or you go out of Texas into Arkansas, you know, you can, you can immediately, I mean, even on the interstate in, in some of those places, I mean, it's just like, really? You know, who was driving this machine whenever they were putting down the, the paving material? This is crazy. Um, but, you know, we, we enjoy, you know, those things. And, and, and the Lord has put those things in place, you know, so that we might live quiet, you know, and peaceable lives. Um, I know that seems different today for a lot of us than it seemed, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Uh, it looks a lot different than it did then, but it's, it's the same. Men's, men haven't changed. Their heart's still as evil as, as it ever was. It it's comes from that starting point. It's just how much restraint is there over it. Um, so Paul sought to live in all good, you know, conscience. First Timothy one five says, "Now the end of the commandment is charity, out of a pure heart and of good conscience and of faith unfeigned." First Peter three sixteen says, "Having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as evil doers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation uh, in Christ." You know, Christians haven't always had a good name, have they? And I'm not saying because they did anything they shouldn't have done. Uh, I'm just saying that because we are light. And because we are not of the world, what's the world going to do? It's going to hate us. So we've not always had a good name, you know, for that reason. They're going to hate us because we are of the light. We are of the Lord. We belong unto him. They're not going to like us because of that. If, 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 if they were of us, they would continue here with us, you know, but they're, they're not of us. They're part of the world. So they're going to, they're going to go do their thing, you know, but, but, um, if, if, we're going to live among them, then we can expect to be falsely accused of things since they hate us. And since they don't have any compunction of keeping a good conscience themselves, so to speak, you know, it's easy for them to say evil, you know, against us. Uh, so you, you can expect that. You can expect to find yourself in a place where you have a good conscience, like First Peter 3.16 says, but they are speaking evil of you, saying that you've been an evildoer, but they're going to be ashamed that speak evil against you falsely. Give a false report. They'll be ashamed. I mean, even um, you, 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 you think about, you know, some of the, 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 give me an example from scripture where someone's been ashamed. One person comes to my mind immediately. Judas, that's the one I was thinking of too, Cohen. I mean, wasn't he? He was ashamed of what he had done. He tried to throw the money back, you know, into the temple. And in the end, he went out and hung himself. Um, but um, false, you know, what, what he had been, he was false. 
That's what he was. Um, during the, the days of Stalin's reign, the, the, the country you know, was, was in, in, in hard times, you know, during World War II, you know, they were trying to fight off, you know, the German, you know, army, and they were calling all men and women to come into the factories and work, and <clears throat> Christians at that time and place had been persecuted. They were being persecuted, but reports kept getting back to Stalin's desk, and I read about, this is an account I read about from Martin Lloyd-Jones, where somebody from Hungary had a first-hand account of these things and was giving them to him. So I'm giving them now, you know, to you. But, but reports kept getting back to Stalin's desk. These Christians that are working in the plants, they are the best workers we have. They work the hardest. They do the best job. Um, and so many reports kept getting back to Stalin. He said, stop persecuting the Christians. And so... You know where that finds traction in the verses that we're reading here in Romans 13 for me? Um, when you think about the, the power that is, it's not a terror to good works, but to evil. You know, will you not then be afraid of the power? Do that which is good. So here these people were, these Christians were, they were being persecuted. They were being oppressed. You know, they were living under that form of government. And the government said, you've got to go work in this factory. And they said, okay, you know. That's what we government's telling me I got to do. That's what I'm going to do. And they didn't just do it and say, oh, I'm going to do it, but I'm not going to like it. You know, like the little boy. Remember the little boy in the car that I told you about? Remember that? His mom said, sit down. You know, kept telling him to sit down. And finally he sat down. And he said, well, I'm going to sit down. And he said, I'm sitting down on the outside, but on the inside I'm standing up. You know, so that's not the type of attitude these Christians had. You know, what they went in, they went in. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, right? So these people went in doing those things that way. And in the end, even though they had been persecuted on the front side, in the end, they were praised because they were the best workers in the factory. Um, and so that, that shed some light on the things that we're looking at here in Romans 13. Um, you know, we think about the state and rendering to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And in, in, in so doing, what are we doing? Because we're just said before, those Christians in the factory, right? They were doing what they did as unto the Lord. So we do these things, and who are we essentially in the end? Who are we honoring? Uh, I may be honoring that position as far as a man you know, that's in it, but I'm really honoring God. That's what I'm really doing. I'm really honoring him and because this is what he's called me to. This is what he's, he's commanded of me and as far as obedience to him. To the, to the state is obedience to him. And, in, and I glorify him you know, in the doing of that. Um, but overall, we understand, just like we sing about, this is our father's. This is my father's world. Now, God didn't start it. And just let it go. His hands are all over it still. Um, the powers that be, ordained of God. Uh, ordained of God. Um, the world didn't fall into sin, and God just said, forget it. Um, that hasn't happened. It hasn't ceased from being God's world. He sustains it. Otherwise, it would become chaos. It would. Man would have destroyed himself a long time ago. He would have destroyed himself a long time ago if it were not for what God has ordained and put into place. Um, so not only the, uh, he's going to, not only that, but he's not abandoned it. And when you look at it from that, that standpoint, he's going to restore it. God's going to restore it to beyond its original condition. In the original condition, man could fall. And this new world, this new heaven, new earth, there will be no possibility of fall. I mean, we are saved forever. We're eternally secure. Um, so, and not only the world, but the entire universe, God is going to restore to a condition that will be even more glorious. Um, but our relationship to these powers and the right they have to rule is a God-given right. And you've heard me say that in past messages. You're going to hear me say it, you know, some more before we get out of, you know, this part of uh, Romans chapter 13. But God's permitted it. God maintains it. Otherwise, there would be, like we said, chaos or anarchy. Those are the two um, really good answers that were given to what would happen if we didn't have these things. But again, government's not a human, in, it's not a human invention. God's established these things. Fallen man is vile. He's cruel. 
Um, these things exist, you know, for a reason because evil exists. They're here. Um, because of the fall of man, God's put a limit uh, to evil. Otherwise, like we said, man would have uh, destroyed himself. When I was a kid in high school, I mean, you think about the whole concept of anarchy. Who should that, I mean, a person in their right mind, that shouldn't even appeal. That shouldn't even appeal to a person. But I can remember kids in school. I don't know if y'all had this experience or not. <clears throat> but, and, and most of our kids aren't going to understand this, but we used to have books and had book covers. Those books were on loan to us from the school. We had to return them, you know, supposedly in the same condition that we were given them in. Uh, but we would, we would put book covers over <clears throat> our books, and people would, I mean, Anna, you, this would have been right up your alley. I mean, they would draw all over the book cover. <clears throat> and I would see kids. You know, on I don't know if you've seen the anarchy symbol before, but you know the A with the circle and all that kind of stuff. But but they would have that on their on their book covers, and I'm thinking, why would that appeal, you know, to anyone? Um, and and most of it was a sense of belonging to something for those kids. Uh, they belonged to this idea of anarchy. You know, and there's a lot of the people that thought the same way, uh, but that shouldn't really appeal to anybody for there to be anarchy and chaos. Uh, who wouldn't want to live? I mean, I was, who was it I was talking to the other day, and she was telling me, she said, the time that I grew up, she's an older lady, she said, the time that I grew up in, she said, Mayberry Street. <laughs> you know? And I'm, you know, that's nice. Um, you know, that, that's, it wasn't that there weren't any problems, you know, there, there, there were, but, but, you know, the idea of anarchy shouldn't appeal to a person except the one, you know, who's evil and, and wants to, to, uh, you know, commit those things, um, so it is the deed with which the magistrate or the government, the state, is, is, is concerned. You know, for us, it's the, the, the government's not concerned with the sin. You know, for us, we look at a soul, we're concerned about the sin. Uh, yeah, he may have been caught. He, did his, he, he committed a crime. He was caught. He was cast into, into prison. Uh, that's what the state's concerned about. That's really, I mean, there, Cheryl could tell us more about this than, than I would be able to say, but there are reform, you know, sort of programs, but you're not going to change. They can't change a man's heart. You know, this is the thing that we're concerned about, that we're concerned with is the sin that's there. You know, yeah, you've been caught and the state has punished you, but that's not where it ends. You know, there's a judgment day coming where you're going to face God. You know, we're concerned, you know, with that part of a person's soul. Um, you know, the state can only operate in the realm of flesh and condemn evil deeds that are done in the body, but God looks upon the heart and passes judgment even for deeds that haven't been caught, you know, by the state. <clears throat> so when we think about um, the state, it's, it, it's, it's, it's for our good. You know, it's, it's a good thing that there are these boundaries. I mean, I think about the sea. It's a good thing the sea has a boundary. I mean, it can go this far and no further. You know, could it just overtake, you know, everything? And it's not really appealing to me to live in Italy where all the streets are water. You know, it's pretty to look at, you know, but I wouldn't want to live where all those buildings are sinking, you know, continually, you know, into, um, you know, the, the water there. So, um, but, but uh, it's good that there are, are boundaries for things. Um, you know, there's, 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 there's boundaries for all sorts of things in the entire universe. You know, God has order all over I mean, you look at the petals of a flower. I mean, you see the order, the symmetry, you know, that exists within all the things that God has done. Uh, and this is one of those things that we're talking about here as far as the state's concerned. It's order um, that God has established upon uh, the earth. Um, and if we be doers of what is right, and I know <clears throat> the first thing that comes to our minds when we read that verse of Scripture is, well, yeah, but there's bad government. I'm a doer of what's right, but there's bad government. And, you know, talking about being rewarded for doing what's right whenever they don't like us because we're, you know, Christians, you know, that just doesn't seem to go together. But there's that story that I tried to include, you know, here about those Christians in Russia, you know, where, yeah, they were being persecuted, but they were sought to do what was right in the sight of God. And in the end, they were, they were praised, you know, for the same. So they received praise, you know, for what they, they were doing it as unto the Lord, but they received praise, you know, from men. <clears throat> So the state is set in a position to restrain uh, evil, and we're called to pray for that function, the function of the state. 
First uh, Timothy two two for kings and for all. And I mentioned this already, but I'm going to read it to you now, verbatim. For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Um, I like Mayberry Street. That sounds really good, you know, to me about now. Um, but here we are in the place that we are in the time that we are. Uh, to be what God's called us to be in the midst of what we're facing at this time. Um, and we'll, we'll seek to be the best citizens that we can be until we find our place, ourselves in places like Acts chapter 5. Acts 5.27, I read this to you before, I'm going to read it again. Acts 5.27 says, And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in this, in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. So they told him not to do it, and then they filled the whole city uh, with their doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Uh, now that, going back to my initial statement, we're in the world but not of the world. You could see how somebody could take this end of this verse of Scripture and say, we're going to obey God, not men. Well, if you're going to obey God, you're going to have to obey him here in Romans 13. And that says... The state's been put into a position, a place for a purpose, and you are to obey that. If you disobey that, you're disobeying, you know, God. So a little bit more, <clears throat> and we'll get to some other questions um, as, we, as we go along that maybe you've had uh, that have to deal with government and where's our responsibility begin and end. Uh, but here, you know, we've, we've a, we kind of see, you know, where our responsibility is. How are we to respond, you know, in this world? How are we respond, you know, to the government? Even because on the one hand, yeah, I mean, if the government passes the laws that I like, no problem. I'll be glad to abide by those things because it's what I want to do. But if they pass a law that I don't like, what am I going to do then? You know, where does my responsibility end at that point? Uh, because we could put some really interesting scenarios together um, to ask that question in, couldn't we? And, and connect with it. Um, you know, well, what if the state does this with my money? Do I still pay taxes? You know, there's lots of things we could talk about um, as far as that's concerned. Uh, so we have a responsibility that God's given us to the state to a point. <clears throat> and then up to that point, we need to seek to be the best citizens, you know, that we can be. Uh, to where we receive praise of the same. To where we are the light that we're called to be. To where people will look at us and they'll say, those people have a peace, even in the midst of being persecuted, they have a peace that I do not understand and I would like to have. We, we passed by a Sikh uh, temple. I'm trying to remember how you spell that. It's S-I, help me out, Cohen, the Sikh religion. Is it S-I-H-K or K-H? K-H. <clears throat> and I remembered the book that, that Anna was reading on Sundar Singh. And I remember the story that Charles Leiter told in the message I listened to, and I'm, I've related to you before, but it has to do with this idea of peace. <clears throat> He's on the train. He had left the Sikh religion. He was a Christian, and that was an offense to other people that were of the Sikh faith. And <clears throat> this man was just really upbraiding him upon the train. You know, why would you turn your back on your family? Why would you turn your back, you know, on your nation? Why would you turn your back, you know, on your religion? And he says, all I know is I have peace. And the man abruptly is like, well, I have peace. And he goes and sits in a seat. And he sits there and he thinks about the things that Sundar Singh had said to him. And Sundar Singh is, is, is knelt down, I think, at this point, or sitting in, in his seat praying. And the man comes up and he sits down, you know, kneels down beside him. And he whispers in his ear and he says, I have no peace. So here this man is being persecuted is the point that I'm making. And even under that persecution, he sees his peace. And he sees that that man has something that he doesn't possess. And so he asks, can you tell me of the reason that you have this hope? And what is the reason for this hope that, that's within you that I can see? It's evident. This, you have a hope that I don't have. I mean, these are despairing times and despairing circumstances, but you have this hope, and I don't have this hope, and I want that hope. Can you tell me what it is is the reason why? You know, do you meditate? Is it yoga? You know, what is it? You know, no, it's Christ. It's Christ. So um, we have a hope. That's steadfast and sure. You know, we have a hope that we want to put on display, you know, in front of all men. Uh, they might see the hope that lies within us. Um, and it might be that, that like with the jeweler who displays his, his wares behind, you know, behind what he sets up in his displays, that black 
you know, canvas. It may be that there's dark circumstances that we find ourselves in where God displays this before men so that they might see, you know, there is something, you know, different there about us um, that they need. So um, pray for our enemies, you know. Uh, And when we pray for our enemies, we find ourselves in a place where we're having, God's putting you on display, but he's putting you on display in a way that is not something you would have chosen. It's a difficulty. It's a trouble. It's a trial. It's a tribulation um, that God uses as a set of circumstances to show forth and to cause you to shine and for God to say unto the world, look, here's my servant. You know, this is what I'm pleased, you know, with. You know, here's, here's one of my own. Um, you see how they've responded in these circumstances. You see how they've responded in this situation, you know. And, and they see what we have they do not have. We see what we have they need. Um, and they can begin to understand something that otherwise they wouldn't have understood. And it may be dark circumstances on their part. I don't know what God, you know, may choose to use. But, but we ought to be willing to be used in whatever circumstances it might be. All right, any thoughts or questions, comments? prayer request. Donnie is out. He, uh, as far as he knows, I mean, we, yeah, Rebecca knows this. I mean, you take one of those tests and it could be negative, but he's sick, so it's probably positive, but, but it came back positive. (laughs) Uh, But he, uh, he seems to have, you know, COVID, so he's very light, you know, symptoms, but, but pray for him. Um, I think last Wednesday, tell me, was probably the worst day for him. Um, so remember him in prayer. Uh, we're glad Rebecca's here. She'll be going back Thursday. We have put her to work since she's been here because we moved, you know, yesterday. So she's been working, uh, helping us. We're glad she's here for that. We didn't plan that really. She wanted to come later, you know, in, uh, in the uh, month of June, but other people had taken off. So she had to take her vacation earlier and that she want she actually wanted to take her vacation, you know, with us. Uh, that's nice. And she knew she was coming to have to help us move, and she still came. Uh, so we're glad that she's here for the time that she's able to be with us. Uh, look forward to a day, maybe, you know, when her contract's up, up there, and she might be back down this way closer. But um, I know it's been a little difficult for her. She finally had to get some companionship, and she got a cat, so... I tried to help her this morning and feel like she was still at home. Every morning the cat puts its face in her face, and so she was sleeping on the couch. Not that she didn't have a bed, she had a bed, but I went up there and I put my face in her face, you know, and the first time I did it, she didn't even know I was there, but later I did it when she was awake. I said, I just wanted you to feel at home, and Teresa was in the kitchen. She said, did you lick her? I said, no, (laughs) because that's what her cat does. Her cat licks her. (laughs) I said, no, I didn't lick her. I wasn't going to do that. I put my nose on her, but I'm not going to lick her. <laughs> she may not taste good. No. All right. Well, let's, let's stand and go to the Lord in prayer. Yeah, the Uvalde situation. And there seems to be a lot. Yeah. Yeah, the family and the, yeah, the prisoner that killed all those people. Yeah. Uh, but there seems to be a lot of mass shootings going on right now. Um, and whether that's a copycat, you know, thing because one person sees somebody else doing it in the country and they think, well, I'm gonna do that too. I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, it's evil, no doubt. And we know uh, this is one of the things I was talking to Anna about. Um, you know, there's there's evil, right? But there's and I don't know if I mentioned this to you guys or not, but but there's there's some people, you know, the the Hitlers and the Mussolinis. I think I did mention this. But there's no way to explain a person like that and the things they did except demonic, you know. Uh, so, again, the devil, chaos, anarchy, absolutely. Um, so, um, we, we, we've, there's, there's not a shortage of things to pray about, right? Um, we just need to take time to, to pray and take time to think about you know, these things and think about these situations of people and circumstances. And, um, I mean, how do you
how'd you like to be the mother of the young man that, that in New Valley shot all those kids in the school? Um, just be incredible uh, to try to live in that community, you know, with, with that having it happened, you know. Um, and then all the parents that have lost, you know, children and, and uh, um, those that have children maybe still, I guess there's still some in the hospital even now. Um, but, but be in prayer for, for all of these I mean, it's, the thing about it, it all fits in with our nation and, and our government and, and uh, you know, law enforcement. And, and if, I mean, if there weren't, I mean, there, there was a law enforcement presence, how, how far could he have gotten? Um, I know we could talk about all kinds of details, but how far could he have gotten? You know, if there wasn't somebody there to stop him. Um, so pray for, for our nation. Pray for our leaders. I'll say it again. Back when Obama was in office, I asked one Sunday, I asked for a literal show of hands how many people are praying for Obama. And I don't know if I remember anybody raised their hand. There may have been, but how many of us are praying for President Biden? Even back then, yeah. Yeah, I think the schools in Israel, they're, they're like that. Um, I mean, you, it's, it's locked down. Uh, you're not going to get in or out unless you're, you have a, um, somebody let you in or let you out, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Until the bell rings and you get to go home, you know. <laughs> kind of feel like you're in prison, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, we'll pray for these. Any others? I know there's probably some unspoken requests um, that don't want to be, you know, voiced. But uh, you pray for each other. You know, that's there's some things. You know, we, we took Anna to get that date piercing, hoping it would help her headache some so far, and the jury's kind of still out, you know, on it. Um, you know, so, but, but um, there's things that, that everybody is going through and dealing with. Uh, so pray for each other. Pray for grace, for strength. Um, Lord, help us to, to uh, help one another. Uh, shoulder one another's burdens. Uh, bear ye one another's burdens. Scripture tells us to do that. Pray ye one for another. Pray for our country and going beyond that. And there's other Christians in the world all over the place that don't live in a democracy. They live under a dictatorship um, that you would not like to live under. But God has his people all over, has them to be a light all over the place. So we may become that one day, who knows, a dictatorship or something like that. So, All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Deb, would you pray for us? and? Return thanks for the meal that we're about to share together in the fellowship.